One of the greatest obstacles to crafting health and wellness is identifying and controlling inflammation. It's at the core of all complex and chronic diseases, and it's the driving mechanism that underlies the most common symptoms that people like you struggle to overcome. Join us as we explore cutting-edge science and research to give you the information and tools you need to create the quality of life you want and deserve. And now, here is the host of Inflammation Nation, Dr. Stephen Nosworthy. So in this installment of the mini-series that we're doing right now on inflammation and exercise, so we're, we're going to talk about intensity. If you've been listening over the last couple of episodes, I've mentioned intensity of exercise several times, and, and I've mentioned how uh, as a single variable that impacts what you get out of your exercise, um, intensity is perhaps the most important. And we'll talk in a different episode about different types of exercise and you know, what seems to have more global impacts versus, um, you know, say kind of local and specific. Certainly there, there are some exercises that I believe that are superior to others. We'll talk about that in a different episode, but I, I want to talk about intensity and, and we can characterize intensity. I'm sorry. We can, we can characterize or break exercise down and describe it with different variables. We can talk about exercise modality. Are you a runner, a swimmer, a lifter? Do you get your exercise playing sports? Do you do Pilates, yoga, Tai Chi, this kind of stuff? That's modality. We can talk about frequency and duration. How often are you doing it? How long do you do it for? We can talk about it in terms of work rest cycles, which kind of borders on interval style type training. And we can talk about intensity. And even in the, in the run of a given workout, you might be working very intensely for a short period of time and kind of moderately intense intensely for another period of time and, and then lightly intense uh, during another period. And so, you know, if somebody says, hey, I just did a high intensity workout, it, it doesn't mean that they spent an hour, forgive the saying, balls to the wall, just pushing with everything they have. Um, it just means that at some point, the intensity of the exercise was great enough that it pushed their heart rate up to a certain percentage of their theoretical max. And, and so let's just kind of dispense with that for a moment. And, and I guess over time in, in this series, we'll talk about each of those different variables. But ultimately, at the end, if you want to change one thing that increases what you get out of your exercise sessions, controlling or improving that intensity variable is is the best one and it's just very simply because research has shown pretty clearly not that the other factors aren't important they are but if we want to get the most out of exercise across all the ways that we measure positive outcomes then increasing our intensity is what we need to do but if you are part of the inflammation nation and i'm assuming you are because you're listening to the podcast then we have to be careful because as intensity increases so does the production of inflammation and free radicals from the exercise itself. In other words, low intensity exercise really doesn't have that much of a metabolic cost, but as intensity increases and as we push the limits of our capacity, then we start actually creating more inflammation, more free radicals that then we have to dampen. And that's the concept of the metabolic tipping point that I believe we talked about in the last episode. And so let's talk about intensity. Let's talk about how to measure it. And then let's talk about the perspective of comparison. In fact, let's deal with that first, because quite often if I say to somebody, you know, you need to work out more intensely, sometimes they glaze over, they pause, they think, and I know what's happening in their mind is that they have in their mind somewhere an idea of who 
exercises intensely and what that looks like. And in their mind, they're going, I could never do that. So whether they are thinking of some kind of professional athlete or an elite athlete, or maybe it's their, you know, like crazy cousin, brother, sister, mother, neighbor, who's just in the gym all the time and does all kinds of things that they look at in comparison to themselves and are like, oh, I could never do all that. And it, it, it is not just appealing. It, it is a deterrent. Well, here's, here's the main problem is that when it comes to talking about exercise intensity, it is part of a personal prescription. And the only thing that matters is what your own current capacity is. Meaning when you think about increasing your exercise intensity, you should never, ever, ever think about what somebody else can do. You only should think of what you can do now and how to push that, how to nudge it just a little bit to get your body to start to adapt as long as you're not going over that metabolic tipping point and incurring a metabolic cost that you can't pay. And so exercise is intensely personal. It's all about you and where you are. And it has nothing to do with any icon or paragon of fitness that you might want to compare yourself to. Don't worry about anybody else, but where you are and what you can do and how you can push yourself a little bit beyond that boundary. So how do you, how do you measure intensity? Well, you know, <laughs> it can be done several different ways. It, it can be done scientifically with math and numbers and heart rate and recovery time and all that kind of stuff, or it can be, uh, there are scales of perceived exertion that researchers will sometimes use. Like, you know, do you feel like you're really pushing it? Well, you probably are, but obviously when you're not well conditioned, or if you're challenged with a lot of inflammation and oxidative stress and and, and your capacity is limited by that, you may feel that you're working out very intensely. And when you compare yourself to other people, they're like, you know, what's the problem? You just, you just walked up a flight of stairs. Why is your heart rate 182 beats per minute? And why are you breathing and sweating, breathing heavy and sweating? Right. And that kind of crosses over into the realm of don't compare yourself to other people. Now it's perfectly, perfectly okay to compare yourself where you are now to maybe where you used to be or maybe where you want to be. Totally fine. Understand that it's going to take time to build capacity to either get back to where you were before or to accomplish a goal that you've set for yourself in the future. But one of the things that you can think of, and in fact, there are some very basic guidelines that you can use in terms of heart rate output during any activity to ask yourself, am I exercising intensely or not? Um, even before we get there in terms of numbers, if you are breathing deeply and regularly, if you're, if you've broken a sweat, if you can speak in short sentences or one word, two words at, at maybe at most, but you can't manage a full sentence or a full conversation because of what you're doing, then you're at the point where you are exercising intensely to say it another way. If you're working out intensely, you're not sitting there at the gym watching what's on the TV, on your phone, flipping through social media, or reading a magazine that might be on, on the piece of equipment that you're using. As your exercise intensity goes up, you have to dispense with those other distractions to focus on what you're doing because it's taking everything you can to sustain that. Now, we can flip that around and say, listen, if you're working out, you know, let's say you're at the gym doing some cardio type work and you're having a conversation with the neighbor who's on the machine next to you, or you're flipping through a magazine, or you're scrolling social media, or you're sitting there watching television, chances are you're not exercising intensely enough to get everything out of that exercise that you want. 
But let me give you some practical numerical ways. And, and this is kind of easy to do these days because, you know, smart watches and, you know, even smartphones. Now you can use the camera to check your heart rate. Sometimes if you have a monitor, um, if you're on a machine at a gym, they have those handles that you can hold and, and they can approximate your heart rate. And those are relatively accurate. I don't know that I would use those, say, in a, in a, a research setting, but perfectly practical for things that we want to do. But as a general rule, intense exercise is gauged at somewhere, you know, 80 to 85 percent or more of your theoretical maximum heart rate. So it's 80 to 85 percent or more, let's say above 80 percent of your theoretical maximum heart rate. Well, first question then is, well, what's my max theoretical maximum heart rate? It's typically 220 minus your age. So if you're 20 years old, your theoretical max is 200. 200 minus 20 is 200. If you're 40, your theoretical maximum heart rate is 220 minus 40, which would be 180. So all you have to do to look at heart rate as a guide of exercise intensity is to subtract your age from 220 and then multiply that, let's be conservative, multiply by that by 0.8. And whatever that number is, if your heart rate is there or above, you are in an exercise intensity mode or high, in, high intensity mode. Between, let's say, 70 and 80 percent, and some experts might might say that the cutoff is 85, so 70 to 85 and then 85 plus, then that's kind of your, your moderate intensity. And, and what that means is that as you engage in moderate intensity, you can sustain that for longer periods of time, and there's less of a metabolic cost than the really high intensity stuff. So there's a scale and there's a spectrum. And so again, if you want to know if you're moderately exercising at moderate intensity, then look at 60 to 70% as the upper, lower and upper limits respectively, which is calculated as 60 to 70% of 220 minus your age, right? So the math is very simple. 220 minus your age is your theoretical maximum heart rate. And then you can apply different percentages to determine where your intensity is. So if you're between 60 and or sorry, 70 and 80% or 70 and 85%, you are exercising with moderate intensity. If it's 80, 85 plus percent, you are in the high intensity zone, which means anything below that is lower intensity. Now, obviously exercising at 60% of your theoretical max is more intense than exercising at 20%, but it's less intense than, than, than exercising at 72%. Right. So again, it's a scale and a spectrum. And these numbers are these numbers are generic based on population level data. And so what that means is that as you're beginning to work out, if you are really deconditioned and really challenged with inflammation and oxidative stress, you may be breathing very deeply, incapable of conversation, have broken a sweat and have to focus everything you're doing and you're only working out at 65% of your max. And that's just simply a conditioning issue. Now, what will happen over time, as long as you are bumping up against that capacity, not spending too much time there, and you have some kind of a daily regimen that you're trying to offset your inflammation and oxidative stress, what used to get your heart rate up to 65% now is only 55%, which means your heart is more efficient, your vascular system, cardiorespiratory system is more efficient, and you'll have to do more volume and intensity to get your heart rate back up to a higher percentage. That's normal. It's also true at the far end is that if, if even though we say, hey, 85% of your max heart rate 
is where high intensity begins. If someone is very, very well conditioned for their age, they might have to exercise at 90 to 95% to really truly be in high intensity exercise. So general population based guidelines, you kind of have to see where you fit within that, but at least now you have some numbers and you have some non-quantitative markers to figure out where you are in terms of your exercise capacity. I'm sorry, your exercise intensity. Now, let me mention this because I just said a moment ago, I mentioned having a daily regimen to offset inflammation and oxidative stress. And, and what I mean by that is, you know, aside from eating a good clean diet that's not pro-inflammatory or eating foods that you're reacting to, controlling stress, sleeping well, all these different things, a very simple strategy to try to improve your, your exercise capacity is by quenching and quelling inflammation and free radicals. And so quite often what we'll do, and, and this is, this is, I'm ripping this out of the context of a real case scenario, which means this is never the only thing we do, but sometimes it's something we add in as part of a broader approach. But sometimes what we'll do to help somebody either recover better from where they are or to increase their capacity so they can do more without incurring a metabolic cost is we'll have them add in two things into their supplementation regimen. And that will be some version of an antioxidant formula. It could be something as simple as, as a single antioxidant like alpha lipoic acid, preferably glutathione, because it's the major cellular, intracellular antioxidant in your body. And then we'll combine that with um, some kind of um, anti-inflammatory botanical, whether it's curcumin or turmeric or resveratrol, or you know things like uh, like extracts of frankincense and, and that kind of stuff. So you can have this dual strategy. Um, actually, you can have a, a multifactorial strategy where you're looking at exercise intensity as a reflection measured quantitatively as a percentage of your theoretical max heart rate, which again is 220 minus your age. You can look at non-quantitative measures of have I broken a sweat? How deeply am I breathing? And how easily can I hold a conversation or focus on something that's not actually the exercise itself? And then we can take a look at increasing your intake of antioxidants and, and adding in some anti-inflammatory compounds. And what we'll typically do, again, this is out of context. It doesn't mean it's the only thing we do. It's certainly almost never the only thing we do. But tips and tricks and strategies help sometimes. What we'll do is we'll have somebody take antioxidants and anti-inflammatory compounds, uh, say first thing in the morning, and then we'll have them do it post-workout. Only because after the workout within that one to three hour time frame, especially as intensity goes up, there is a surge in the production of free radicals as well as um, inflammatory chemicals. Now you could bracket your workouts instead of doing morning and after your workout, let's say you work out at five in, in the evening or two in the afternoon, doesn't really matter. You could bracket your workout and take your antioxidants and anti-inflammatory compounds 45 minutes to an hour before and then immediately after your workout. And that will condense the impact of those compounds uh, in and around the time frame when you're actually generating those free radicals. So let me let me bring this to a close because again, I'm trying to keep these these little discussions relatively short. And I'm also trying to give you, I'm, I'm trying to translate what we see in, in research science and, and what we see in clinical practice to things that you can just immediately take and go home and make some decisions that are more than likely going to help. 
Now, are they going to help? I don't know, because I don't know you. I don't know your context, your specific unique situation. But I will tell you this, that that if you are in the inflammation nation and you're struggling with controlling inflammation and free radicals, there are likely promoters and, and generators of those things that just simply taking antioxidants and anti-inflammatory compounds are not going to fix it. It's going to help offset the balance. But if you have a major generator that's driving inflammation, let's say you've got a leaky infected gut, then what you're going to have to do is you're going to have to fix that leaky infected gut while you're taking anti-inflammatory and antioxidant type supplements so that ultimately you take away what's generating the excess of inflammatory chemicals. And then what you're dealing with is strictly what you're generating from your high intensity work. The key is this, respect your capacity to perform and recover. And if you, if you repeatedly exceed your capacity and exceed your ability to dampen inflammation and free radicals, you will start down a slippery slope that ultimately will end with you abandoning exercise altogether. And that's not okay because exercise is good for you. And when you have all other things figured out and all of your triggers, your promoters, your perpetuators of inflammation or autoimmune mechanisms or whatever your challenge is, once you have all those figured out, it takes far little effort to control your inflammatory load and your free radical load than what it takes to get to the point where you have control of it. So I'll leave it there and we'll see you on the next episode. Thank you so much for listening to The Inflammation Nation. If you found this episode valuable, please rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast. Be the first to know when a new episode drops so that you can stay on top of your game. It also helps others like you find the answers they need. And why not head over to my main website, drnoseworthy.com, that's drnoseworthy.com, to explore my personalized functional medicine coaching programs, submit a question to the podcast, maybe take a quiz, or even reach out to me using the contact form that you can find there. We'll see you next time.